Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcroft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening where we continue to reflect into the richness of the gospel text. Uh, this evening, we will include a reflection on the first reading, um, that reading that comes to us from the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, it is Thursday evening, so I have Debbie Rosales back in studio with me. Debbie, great to have you with me another evening. It's great to be here. So, Debbie, before we jump into our readings for the 18th Sunday in Ordinary Time, I thought I would respond to an important question, just not for me, but for all of us who go out and speak in front of people. The question was very simple. Joe, how do you prepare? And my response to that is uh, one really that the Venerable Fulton Sheen gave, and I just try to uh, heed his message. He says, you know, it's twofold. All preparation is twofold. A, study feverishly, (laughs) and B, pray more feverishly. Uh, he says, you, you can never over-prepare, and you can never over-pray. Yeah. And I have to say, since I have heeded that response, that message, I have found uh, myself uh, much more confident, mm-hmm. not in what I can do per se, but what God can do through me mm-hmm. and Debbie, through all of us right. who go out as a protagonist for the new evangelization, whether it be apologetics, evangelization, or catechesis whether you're in front of five people, 20 people, or 500 people. What we are made to see is the importance of preparing all the same. Now, does speaking in front of 550 or, or 500 change the dynamic? Sure. I mean, you have to be present to that. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking in front of seven people, and a week later, I was in front of 250 people, and it was very different. Mm-hmm. It was very different. Um, but, you know, I found myself preparing all the same, preparing as, uh, again, the great Fulton Sheen would have us prepare study feverishly, and pray even more feverishly. I don't know of one person, (laughs) a greater person to take advice from, someone who uh, (laughs) was such a gifted preacher. Oh, man. Now, another part of the question that I received was, you know, when you are presenting, how often do you read? Um, Which I think is an important question because there's the tendency to, in the over-preparation, to write everything down. Sure. And uh, what we have to be careful there is, that we don't overdo that either. Because ultimately, if we are so bound to a prescript, if you will, how open can we be to the Holy Spirit? And how can we be present to those who we are talking to, mm-hmm. right? Now, here on the radio, Debbie, we don't see faces, huh? No. <laughs> we don't see faces. <laughs> so that's maybe a poverty that we might experience yet. Yet, even in our own conversation, as we are dialoguing for all of those people out there, we can see one another's face mm-hmm. and read one another and what to say or what not to say, when to stop, when to go, all of those things. So um, it's very important to when we are preparing and writing things down that in our prayer, we are present to what God wants us to be present to, especially as we are called to um, share the faith. In the end, Fulton Sheen says, pray more feverishly because we cannot give what we do not have, right? We can be great in our writing, if you will, but if that has not been internalized, what good is our presentation? Because ultimately, the person is going to respond to the spirit that is inside of you. Sure. Not always what you say. What you say is important, but often how you say it is so much more important. 
And that is what good speaking is about. It, it's to be organic, something that comes mm-hmm. from within. Right. Right. What does our Lord tell us in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 26? The Holy Spirit, right, will put into your memory what you need to know. Mm-hmm. The counselor will come. Just invoke the Holy Spirit. And that's so important. Just not when we give our talks in front of how many ever people, but also in our everyday conversations, Debbie, that each and every encounter is what God ordains it to be. So with that, why don't we go ahead and engage our subject matter for this uh, 18th Sunday in Ordinary Time. We're reading first from the book of Ecclesiastes 1, 2, 21 through 23. Vanities of vanities, say Koaleth. Vanity of vanities, all things are vanity. Here is one who has labored with wisdom and knowledge and skill, and yet to another who has not labored over it, he must leave property. This also is vanity and a great misfortune. For what profit comes to man from all the toil and anxiety of heart with which he has labored under the sun? All his days, sorrow and grief are his occupation. Even at night his mind is not at rest. This is also vanity. Mm. Amen. So who is Koheleth? Right? Well, um, some believe him to be Solomon or others, uh, someone in Solomon's court. Either way, he is someone who possesses wisdom, knowledge, fame, power, prestige. He, he has all of these things. Um, and, and these things are good in of themselves. But if they become, Debbie, uh, the sum value of all things, the sum total of all things, then you have a problem. If creation itself is the sum total of all things, if the creature is the sum value of all things, then you have a problem. Essentially, if we put things, if we put creation, if we put creatures equal to the creator, we have a problem. Koheleth, he's looking back on his life and he says, oh, vanity, vanity. Why? Because quite simply, all of these things that were given to him by God were not necessarily used for God, but only for himself. He uses the word vanity because he says, when you do that, you have wasted your time. The word vanity translates as wastefulness or nothingness. It can be translated in the Latin as a waste of time. Mm. A waste of time. You know, vanus. He, he's looking back on his life and he's simply saying, I have wasted so much time. Yeah. This is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. I have been given so many good things, so many gifts, and what have I done with it? And Debbie, has not human history mm. seen one person after another do that very thing, mm. say that very thing? Mm. <sighs> mea culpa. My own yeah. human history. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as a mea culpa. <laughs> In my own reflections as I was preparing for this evening, Debbie, was about how this particular reading, this first reading, ought to challenge us. Mm. Let yes. us not say at the end of our life, oh, I wish I would have done this or that. But let us be grateful and thankful for what we have done. If we spend our time in idle behavior, this is what we will be left with. You know, St. Augustine says, there is that great grace that comes to us right before death. Because in that moment, we look back and we say, oh man, Lord, forgive me Mm -hmm. because I have wasted time. And it becomes a grace because ultimately we begin to see things for what they are that grace of death, which just has its way over us. It kind of sharpens our focus. 
Well, my hope and prayer, Debbie, for the both of us and all of our listeners is that grace (laughs) may overwhelm us today, this evening, this moment, that it might sharpen our focus for tomorrow and the next day. I was struck the few times that I've read this over, how many times we have labor, work, Mm. even uses uh, occupation, um, gives us the idea of it's almost an obsession. You know, our, our occupation takes up at least my occupation, sure. a good chunk of my day. Yeah. I'm with patients and our providers much more than I am with my family. Yes. You know, yes. it, it is my occupation. So what what are we spending our time with? This weekend, it, uh, I was on retreat um, of, of such at, at Franciscan, and they really were challenging us to think about how we're spending our time and whether our work um, is being sanctified for the glory of God. You know, challenging us. And and that's what this reading to me, once again, it was just like, thank you, Lord, that um, you're challenging me once again, that um, what's the toil and anxiety of my heart, that everything is perfect and that, you know, and it's stressful at work. You have to, it has to be perfect. It has to be good. But am I doing that for the glory of God? Am I making sure that everything I do and touch and people that I um, come in contact with, um, are better once they've left my my presence. Yes. You know, yes. there's the difference, Yeah, I think. Yeah, absolutely, Debbie. We have to appreciate that all-important word encounter and how so many people that we come into contact with each and every day, while we don't see it initially, was ordained by God. Yes. And that God, yes, wishes to sanctify that encounter. And by sanctify, right, to set apart, mm-hmm. to make holy, that each and every encounter is holy. Right, you work with my wife. Yes. You, know? <laughs> you sanctify each other. Yes. And you see a lot of people every day. Yes. You know what? 30, 35 people yeah. every day. And maybe some people you'll never see again. Yet God has ordained each and every one of those 30 to 35 encounters. Yes. And praise be Jesus Christ that He's given you the opportunity. Yes. Yeah, so no matter what we do, where we are, a great theme to the spiritual life, we are called to sanctify it. We are called to see each and every moment as charged with eternal significance, pregnant with eternal significance, right. that it might be made something that is holy, um, lest it slip into what? A waste of time. Right. If it is all about the I, mm-hmm. huh? if it is all about the ego drama, then you have a problem. Yes. You know, we've talked about the ego drama versus the theodrama mm-hmm. a little bit before. What is the ego drama? The ego drama is the play you write. Uh, the ego drama is the play you produce. The ego drama is the mm-hmm. play you direct. And above all else, the play that you star in. Mm-hmm. What is the theodrama? The theodrama is the power of God that comes from outside of you, right? The one that you don't have control of, and yet when it invades your soul, whoa, yeah. right? The ego drama is the iPhone, iPad, iPod, iTunes, iDrive, selfies. That's, that's what that's about. Mm-hmm. The theodrama is taking all of that eye and seeing how God wants to use it for his greater glory Mm -hmm. how all of your encounters in that i space if you will iphone ipad Mm -hmm. so on and so forth is to be used for the glory of god this is what it's about blessed Teresa of calcutta soon saint Teresa of calcutta once said if we can only get beyond the i we will become a saint amen yes (laughs) we live in the context of the i and this is not a bad thing in so far as we need to work on self but who are those people around us? And mm-hmm. saying that, Debbie, let us go to the gospel because the okay. gospel affords for us some more reflection 
in the importance of who those people are around us. Okay. And now the gospel is Luke 12, 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. He replied to him, Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? Then he said to the crowd, Take care to guard against all greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Then he told them a parable. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, What shall I do? For I do not have space to store my harvest. And he said, This is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods, and I shall say to myself, Now, as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your life will be demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Mm, Thus will it be for all who store up treasure for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. Let's be clear on something here, Debbie. He was a rich man. Right. Which means those silos, mm-hmm. they were plenty big. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. They were plenty big. They've been but, fine for the past, yeah, right? exactly. So once again, it's all about the eye. Mm-hmm. Wow, look at all of this extra grain. Yeah. How can this serve me? Me. And yet we have this great challenge that really is an overarching theme to the gospel message, this challenge to be poor in spirit. Mm. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We've talked about this before, Debbie, specifically within the context of what it means to be poor in spirit, mm-hmm. right? Mindful that the Greek word for spirit is panuma, which best translates as uh, breath or even lung. So the idea there is uh, we long for God the same way our lungs long for air. Mm-hmm. Now that's an intentional image because we are also then made to see how being poor also in the material realm is significant to this message. What do I mean? Well, I did not have a lot growing up, Debbie. I'm one of 11 kids, and I've openly shared this Mm. on air. In fact, I've gotten some uh, fascinating email exchanges from this, uh, others who have uh, grown up without a whole lot. And at times, there wasn't a whole lot of food on the plate. Now, I'm not putting myself in those who don't have any food. But even if it was an experience or a pinch of poverty, I encountered something Mm -hmm. that when food was on the table, I was so grateful for it. I didn't even care if I liked it or not, Mm -hmm. as long as it filled up my tummy. And for those who have no food, for those who have no shelter, how grateful they are. It's their state of being. It's their permanent disposition, Debbie. So when they are given shelter, when they are given food, they're not grumbling. They are perpetually grateful. As close as they watch that food go from their fingers to their mouth, does Jesus want us to see how important it is for us as sons and daughters of God to watch closely the spiritual goods of the Trinity to enter into our soul? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are permanently grateful for all of the spiritual goods that God has in store for us. Are we there? This is the reason 
why this verse, chapter 5, verse 3, sets the tone for the whole Sermon on the Mount. He first says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Because once we've acquired that disposition, as John Paul II would call it, that interior attitude of faith, that is being in relationship with God, but not yet in action, that is being disposed to act in accordance with God at a moment's notice, just like Mary did, mm-hmm. right? This is what it's about. But we're not there. <laughs> we're not there. We're too busy thinking about self. We're too busy thinking about how we are to invest and build up our portfolios, mm-hmm. right? And that's a message for us today, this evening, Debbie, oh, yeah. because Jesus is saying, you're worried about tomorrow, but what about today? Mm-hmm. And the Catholic Church gives a thumbs up to the free market. The Catholic Church gives a thumbs up to having money. Mm-hmm. The Catholic Church isn't anti-capitalism per se, right. as some would make it out to be. No, but it's what you do with it. Right. Again, kind of like what we were saying in relationship to uh, creation and creature earlier. If capitalism becomes the sum total of our existence, then we put it above God. Mm-hmm. It has become the idol. And our Lord's challenge this evening, and for all of us this week, Debbie, is to reprioritize. Reprioritize. And in doing so, you will find a new freedom. It was beautiful at the conference this weekend. Our first talk was from um, Scott Solomon, and um, he said, This weekend, God wants to do something new mm. in you. So very interesting. Behold, he I wants... make all things new. Exactly. Mm, yeah. And that was exactly the scripture quote that he used. Yeah. And, you know, that what do we need to divest of ourselves to let that happen? Yeah. What do we need to let go, to shed, mm. to allow? So what did the, uh, you know... Similar rich man story with Lazarus. What did Lazarus have? What did he do to store up treasure in heaven? Why is it that he was escorted by angels into the bosom of Abraham? While the rich man, who had it pretty darn easy in life, goes down to the abyss. And I think there's some um, worthy reflection there. You know, the, the in, in Luke 16, where that story is, if you would like to look that up later, um, it says that Lazarus gladly partook of the scraps that fell from the table. Just as, as Joe said, gratitude, grateful for whatever it was that God in his providence gave us. Mm-hmm. And that is spiritual, emotional, physical, Possessions, money. Relationships. 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 Because in this parable, what does the rich man do? He's hoarding. Mm -hmm. That was a key word um, as we were initially reflecting before we went on air here, Debbie, is that word hoarding. Mm -hmm. If our mindset is what we can get out of this, as it so often is, right, um, we're going to hoard. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I'm doing this. fear. Yes. Yes. It's fear-based. Yes, that's right. That's right. It is fear-based because fear is the opposite of love. And if the I is the opposite of love, if we're going to define love for what it is, is as willing the good of the other, then yes, that's right. Fear is is at the center of it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we have that tendency to hoard. Mm -hmm. um, And we do so even in relationships. We manipulate relationships to get out of that relationship what we want from it. And I'm just not talking about sexuality. Right. No, I'm just talking about that sense of 
being listened to or that sense of being heard or that sense of taking a conversation and kind of conforming it to the way we want it as opposed to maybe how God wants it, which always starts with the listening ear. Okay, so I guess the challenge for us, Debbie, and for all of our listeners is how do we hoard? How do we hoard in our relationships? Yes, how do we hoard in our material goods? Okay, and note the importance of the word inheritance because so often today we get inheritances and they are our disposable income. By the way, that phrase is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't that it phrase, though? Isn't it I though? mean, if over 90% of the world lives in extreme poverty and we so casually use that phrase, disposable income, yes. it's probably because, <laughs> yes, it's probably, Debbie, because we treat those who are in need as what? Disposable. disposable. As opposed to including them into our monthly giving. I want to offer up a, a quote here from St. John Chrysostom. This comes from the Catechism, actually. The Catechism highlights St. John Chrysostom in paragraph 2446, and this is under the subheading of Love for the Poor. St. John Chrysostom, the Catechism says, vigorously recalls this need to give to the poor. Listen to these words. Not to enable the poor to share in our goods, is to steal from them and deprive them of life. The goods we possess are not ours, but theirs. Look how much good that rich man could have done with <sighs> mm. that abundance of yeah. grain. You know, Debbie, there's someone who I think uh, we both know who gives in abundance. Mm -hmm. And something that I'm always fascinated by when it comes to this very generous giver is <laughs> the more... He gives, the more the he bigger gets. Is, the bigger his business gets. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's so striking. It is. Do you think that his business is building because he's so good at what he does? Yes, that's part of it. Mm -hmm. But it's because God sees what he's doing with what he has. Oh, absolutely. We have this idea of what we call the gospel of prosperity. Okay, if we prosper, that means God has blessed it. Mm. Maybe, maybe right? But only, Debbie, to the extent that you give what you have, mm -hmm. is it truly what it is intended to be, right. something prosperous, right. according to St. John Chrysostom. Mm. And this is a challenge for us, mm -hmm. for each and every one of us. Do we treat those on the margins as quote-unquote disposable, mm -hmm. or do we include them in our everyday life? Are we present to them? Are we allowing them to sanctify us? Are those encounters ones that are making us more holy or are they drawing us away from Jesus? Because when we see them, we turn away. Now, paragraph 2443, God blesses those who come to the aid of the poor and rebukes those who turn away from them. Now, quoting Matthew 542, give to him who begs from you. Do not refuse him who would borrow from you. You received without pay, give without pay. Catechism closes, it is by what they have done for the poor that Jesus Christ will recognize his chosen ones. Huh? We need to be present to those who are in our midst today, Yes. right? Today. It's not a bad thing, again, to plan for tomorrow. Mm. No. But at the cost of today? Right. At the cost of relationship? At the cost of relationship. At the cost of your soul? Not yes. worth it. No. You know, this week we had the pleasure of having Archbishop Kurtz in our presence. And I say that in complete humility. I felt completely humbled 
by this man who um, holds a very high position in our church. He's an archbishop. And you know when you meet someone and the humility just drips off of them, they're... Mm. The sweetness of their soul is an aroma that attracts you. Mm -hmm. That was Archbishop Kurtz for me. And it became very apparent after he began to tell his story, why? And I won't go into it, but I'll give you this sentence. He said that I was blessed enough to be formed by my older brother, Georgie, who was Down syndrome. And that struck me. This man says, I had the pleasure, the honor of being formed by him, him who was Christ for me every day. And I thought, hmm, okay, now I know where that goodness, that humility, that sweetness um, that was so apparent in him comes from. Yeah, amen. And to be in his presence is to know that he's just not offering up lip service. No, no. This no. is something very real and, and concrete. And he just said, you know, Georgie would do anything for anybody. He'd take the shirt off his back and give it to anyone. And when I read this, you know, tell my brother to give me my inheritance. We can't make someone be generous. No. We can't make, you know, when kids are little, you know, share with your brother. You know, we, we, we can form them to share. But generosity of spirit is a, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It's a fruit mm -hmm. of our life. Amen. And it's not something I can command from you, Joe. It's not something I can insist upon someone else. It just is something that is a gift from God. Yeah. It's that disposition, right? It's that permanent yes. state. It's, it's that first mm -hmm. beatitude. It's interesting as you're talking, Debbie, I'm reminded of a conversation that I had with my wife after we told our oldest daughter to say I'm sorry to her elder brother. She looks at me and says, you just told me to say something that I don't mean. Uh -huh. You said to me, say you're sorry, but what if I'm not sorry? Uh -huh. What if I'm not sorry? And my wife looked at me and she wanted me to say, well, no, you say you're sorry. And I said, hmm, actually, we need to talk about this. I mean, what yeah. parent doesn't say that, right? And you don't even think twice about it, but... It led to a wonderful conversation between my daughter and I, who's nine years old, and she gets it. Mm -hmm. you know, she gets sure. it about what it means to be sorry and what it means to behave as a daughter of God, mm -hmm. a nine-year-old daughter of God. Sure. And I said thank you to her for saying, what if I'm not sorry? It was honest. Yes, it was. Mm -hmm. And for me, as the father, I'm like, hmm, God is showing me a lesson right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I get that in the spiritual life, but do we take it for granted? What am I teaching my daughter? Now, okay, Joe, you're, you're teaching your, your daughter to say you're sorry. But was I teaching my daughter what it means to be sorry? Nope. No. It was lip service. Yes, I exactly. I was teaching her lip service. Yes, <laughs> yes. You know, I can hear her listening on, well, it's not big. Mm -hmm. well, actually, no, no, no. I, my point is we have to be present to what we're actually saying. And it took my nine-year-old daughter to bring my attention to this. Yeah. And, and it struck me. And I think it does... And to go back to that initial point, and certainly a man um, of his holiness, I've been in his presence one or two times, um, he certainly means what he says and says mm. what he means. Yeah. All right. So anyhow, Debbie, I'm looking up at the clock and we are out of time. Okay. Let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you.
Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.